Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. He doesn't plan on writing a book to chronicle all his incredible experiences over the past 50 years covering Minnesota sports, but we've convinced him to do something even better, to share his greatest stories in auditory form right here. We wanted to call this a prairie home curmudgeon. But legal nixed it. So we proudly present the best stories from the mind of Patrick Royce, titled Royce Rambles. Here's Judd Zolgad. And welcome to another edition of uh, Royce Rambles, Zolgad and uh, Patrick. And today, Patrick, with the Wolves season starting, we are going to talk about the history of the NBA in this state, which, of course, does not begin with the Wolves at all, but begins with the Lakers. The Minneapolis Lakers, Thank yes. Uh, after our World War II uh, the legend is Sid Hartman. Uh, Maury Chalfin gave Sid Hartman a check for 15000 and he went to Detroit and brought, bought the Detroit Gems. Okay. And uh, he bought the Detroit Gems. for They were folding, but what people should know is there were three professional basketball leagues then. There was the B Basketball Association of America, the BAA, which the NBA considers to be its forerunner. And I think they started 45-46. The National Basketball League, the NBL, which had been around for a while before the war, was where the Lakers bought this franchise. And then there was also a league started by the guy in Chicago who had signed George Mikan out of DePaul. Mm -hmm. And, oh, heck, I can't even remember what he called it. Uh, But he had... Teams all over the country, and this guy, and he, and the, the idea was he was going to take my, my, uh, Mike into Wichita, and there'd be big crowds, and they'd all make money, and it was going to be sort of a Mike and traveling league because he was so famous as a big man. That league folded in seven, I think Mike and's team played seven games. Really? Uh, okay. That The league folded right away early in the year, and then that left the the Basketball Association of America and the Lakers from the National Basketball League to the Lakers got the first choice, what they call the, the relocation, the reallocation of mm-hmm. these guys who were playing in that other the league that folded. Mm-hmm. And the Detroit Gems, I believe the year before the Lakers, I looked all this stuff up, was were four and forty six or something. Okay. So they had the worst. So the the Lakers had the first pick, and they took Mike and and then they beat out the BAA guys to get George Mike in here. I think he missed the season opener. Uh, maybe missed so one. So they or, beat him out financially to sign financially. Him. The, the legend is that Sid uh, he was going to fly. He was going to fly back to Chicago without signing. And uh, Max Winter and Sid came up with a plan not to get him to the airport in time to catch his flight out of Chicago to Chicago. 
and they drove around in circles and pretended like they were lost and Mike and didn't get out of town. And then during the night, they put more <laughs> pressure on him and signed him. And it's a good story. It, it, it was in, very good. I put it in the Sid book, so it must have been the truth, right? But that's how they ended up with Mike. And, yeah. and that's how they then became an instant powerhouse. Uh, they, uh, they'd they already brought in Jim Pollard, who was a great player from Stanford, the kangaroo kid. He, he was a, a leaper back before leapers existed. And uh, that's how they became the powerhouse. They played one year in that league, won the championship, the National Basketball League. But you can't find that in the records because the NBA uh, does not consider the NBL to be its forerunner. It considers the basketball. So so the Lakers are always given credit for five NBA titles, but they actually won six titles in their first seven years of existence. Then Mike and retired and uh, was was old and beat up and uh, Mike and retired and they kind of hit the skid. So, but that's, uh, that's the history of it. And here's another thing. I'm a kid in in downtown, I mean, in downstate Minnesota, Southwest corner. And we get the Minneapolis paper and both papers and closely followed go for football. I mean, I was only nine when they won their last championship, 54, or maybe eight, mm-hmm. but, the Lakers were a Twin Cities deal. Outstate Minnesota had, even though they were winning so championships, we, we, we didn't embrace them to, to, to much of it. It was kind of a Twin Cities deal. And uh, I, I don't know why. You know, we came up here. I came up here with my dad, all, my parents all the time, and we never went to a Laker game. Never never went to a really? Laker game. We went to pro wrestling matches yeah. and you know, everything else in town, but we never went to a Laker game was they did at least some years they were on the big neighbor so you could listen to the games, but uh, it wasn't like we religiously followed them. It was, it was kind of a, almost a Minneapolis thing. Another thing you should know is I forgot this. One of the teams in that league that the fellow from Chicago started Mm-hmm. St. Paul, St. Paul lights. And they played five or six games. And so the first time George Mikan played here as a pro, it was in St. Paul against the St. Paul lights, not for the Minneapolis Lakers, because before he ever played a game for the Lakers, he'd played a game in St. Paul with that Team from Chicago, the Chicago Gears. I and so St. Paul was in the league that quickly they folded. folded. And they, they okay. I think, played six games. Beat writer Don Riley. Really? <laughs> legend was, yeah, but they lasted six, seven <laughs> games. But, you know, St. Paul and Minneapolis, yeah. they figured they each had minor league baseball teams. They could each have basketball teams, but it didn't work out for St. Paul. So, so the, the Lakers played in how many different venues here? Uh, the big arena for them was the auditorium. Okay, but I don't know if it was the circus or the Shrine Circus or what it was, but in the spring mm-hmm. they would get ready to play their their playoff games, and they couldn't get in because of some <laughs> other event. Either car, sh- I don't think it was a car show. I think it was a circus. So they got kicked out of. So the they arena. played in the Minneapolis Armory was choice too, you know, and pro- they probably played more games in the Armory than they did the auditorium. And but if they wanted to draw a big crowd, they played in the auditorium. Then they would play in St. Paul mm-hmm. in the St. Paul Auditorium. And there's actually 
a playoff game they play in Hamlin, Norton Fieldhouse, because they couldn't get an arena. And the Gophers would not let them anywhere near Williams Arena. They considered them competition sure. and did not let. It wasn't because of alcohol or anything like that as the Gophers. The Gophers' AD was dead set against them, uh, even though Gopher basketball wasn't that big a deal. But uh, they were they were dead set against letting them play in Williams Arena. So, so when they when they left, was it a big deal no. at, at all? Because because you always talk about the Twins and Vikings came here in '61 and and made this town major league. We yeah. were we the had Lakers a, leave around that same time. We had a championship basketball, but we weren't major league. We were just there were. All kinds of, you know, Anderson, Indiana had an NBA team. Fort Wayne had an NBA team. It was, you know, it wasn't a big event to have an NBA team, okay? So we we weren't major league. They left. Now, the word was out that they were leaving uh, all during that season, 59 or 60. Bob Short was going to get $5 million to... No, he, that's what he ended up selling them for, I think, out in L.A., but which was a kingly sum. But Bob Short, local guy, trucker here, mm-hmm. uh, ran guy, the right? trucking company, hotel guy. But he basically took over this ownership group and then maneuvered his way, so he ended up having all, almost all the stock. And he moved them. But I looked this up, Judd. I'm sorry for not letting you in here at all, but... Uh, I looked it up the day they the day they played their last game. They were in the playoffs. They were, I think, twenty five and fifty their last season here, and they still made the playoffs because there's only nine teams <laughs> in the league. I think there's only nine teams in the league that year, maybe ten. Sure, and eight made the playoffs. And there's a box on the front page of the of the uh, Lakers lose Lakers lose in playoffs team. Announces it will move to Los Angeles, and then it says more details in sports. And there's a there's a non byline twenty inch story oh. confirming that the Lakers are moving to Los Angeles. That was it. And that was it. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. Right. It was, you know, take those six trophies with you and leave town. And the sad thing was they did have Elgin Baylor the last two years yeah. they were here, one of the all time greats. Now, it was from fifty. From the end of 54 to through 58, it was pretty melancholy. But then they got Elgin Baylor in here, and in his rookie year, they went to the Western Conference Finals, huh? which means you won one playoff series. Okay, it's not, it's right. not it's like not, you had a long yeah. playoff run. Yeah. But they – and I think they took the St. Louis Hawks, who were really good with Bob Pettit and those guys, to the Game 7 in, in 59. Then in 60, they had a lousy year, but they uh, – they, might have won a playoff series in '62, but uh, they uh, even with that lousy record, they might have won a playoff series. But then they got blown out in the Western Conference Finals, and they were gone. And uh, I think there's evidence, almost going back then, that we weren't a great NBA area. We just didn't quite mm-hmm. haven't figured out. It just wasn't the state basketball tournament was. A statewide border-to-border phenomenon, and three weeks every year were devo- uh, actually four weeks because you'd have two weeks of district tournaments, a week of regional tournaments, and then the state tournament. Mm-hmm. And the hockey tournament ended before any of the basketball started. 
The hockey tournament was in late February. Okay. They had to get it out of the way to make room for the basketball tournament. Yeah. District tournaments were big. Uh, there was 32 districts, and there were eight regions. And the regions and, you know, the Star Tribune, the Tribune would go out and cover all eight regional finals mm-hmm. and do to send photographers and do big stories. So it wasn't like it was a non-basketball area. It was just we didn't – the NBA just didn't do anything for us. So you, when you were growing up in Fulda, you loved the, the high school basketball tournament. Yes. The Gophers, right? The Gophers. Or you liked the Gophers? Sort of when they were good. Sort but the of. Lakers they, were just off the map. They had much. a gof, good Gopher team in the mid-'50s that was playing Iowa – and we thought Iowa was cheating because they were integrated. <laughs> we we were just 50s, we were right? just playing our Minnesota white boys against them. <laughs> but I remember the Iowa had a great player named Carl Kane, and on the black and white TV, the Sioux Falls station, mm-hmm. the one station we got in Fulda, had the game on TV on a it was a night game. And I'm not sure what night of the week it was. It must have been sometime during the week. And I remember it was a night game, and I think it was from Iowa City. And Sioux Falls had enough of their viewership in southwestern Minnesota that they they put the game on TV. And I remember watching that game and, and living and dying with the gopher, Dick Garmaker and that collection, mm-hmm. Chuck Menzel. And they got beat by Iowa. And then you didn't do any. You know, that was it. You didn't. The NIT was not really interested in Midwestern schools. Sure. You know, they had a 16-team tournament, but it was almost all Eastern schools. And, and uh, we, you know, if you didn't win the Big Ten, you were done. So it was, but that, that was, that was a really good team. I remember snippets of gopher basketball, but it wasn't, I mean, gopher football was all that mattered. Really. Sure. But uh, the NBA, uh, it, it is interesting that, uh, as I pointed out, they, they left town and we said, oh, well, that's too bad. But we already had the Vikings by then, you know. Okay. I don't even know if we named them the Vikings, but the expansion team came in January. It was announced in January that we'd be getting a team in 61. The Dallas was getting a team in 60 right away because the AFL was going into Dallas. And they were threatening to go into Minnesota as well, right? Yes. Well, we were, we well. were in on the original yeah, okay. AFL and then bailed. And uh, and so we knew we were getting an NFL team for 61. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in October, it was announced that Calvin was – the Twins were coming here too. But everybody was so hot to try to get Major League Baseball here that – Basketball leaving was really a non-issue. Did basketball leave because they couldn't find a place to play, or is that so, or is that sort of the story they that's left, been circulated for years and years? They left for the same reason O'Malley left for Los Angeles. Short saw lots of dollars to be sure. made out there, and he ended up selling it yeah. a few years later for five million. I'm not sure did he sell the jet kick? No, I'm, there might have been somebody before. But Jack, short moved. Jack Hancock. Short moved it. Okay. Short moved it. You know, the great story about that is they uh, they played some of their games in L.A. that year. You know, they played some of their home games in Los Angeles that year. In the last year here? Yes, the last oh, season I didn't, No, I didn't yeah. know that. No. The, it was that year, I believe, that they the plane made the emergency landing in the cornfield in Iowa, mm-hmm. which I've done some stuff on in the past. And it was a plane that it was a DC-3 that I think Short had bought. Mm-hmm. Or used it was, it was a, a bit of a ramshackle condition, and they ended up 
busting home after they landed in the cornfield in Iowa. They all lived, thank God. Yeah. But because it was snow, it was a snow-covered cornfield. Uh, apparently, they uh, went on their belly all the way up. Damn near went in this ditch, and then who knows what I've seen the happen. pictures of them. Yeah, who went almost. Landing. But they go out to the airport like five days later, and they're supposed to fly to L.A. for a game, and they got the same plane waiting for them. They all said, no, we ain't getting on this, baby. They had they were going to fly that baby over the Rockies. Really? <laughs> yeah. And, oh, I, uh, oh, that's... And the boys said... Oh, my gosh. Uh, I guess, no, El, that's a bad I guess idea. Elgin Baylor hated flying before the crash landing <laughs> in the cornfield. So wow. you can imagine what Elgin thought when they said... We're going to fly this plane. And they said, no, they refused. So I think he had to put them on a commercial Northwest Orient flight or something. So, But, uh, yeah, and then, I mean, they were, the word was out they were going to Los Angeles, but it wasn't officially announced, I don't think, till the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But you go back and look. I mean, them winning the titles, God love them. Very similar to Lynx winning their titles now. Mm-hmm. 9, 10, 11, well, you know, I mean, it's not like it was a arduous task to be the best. Well, hell, even right, even uh, you know, into the late sixties, early seventies, it was a ten or twelve team league. So. Hey guys, this is Justin Musil, pro baseball scout, and Phil Mackey, pro radio guy, and we have the best baseball storytelling podcast on the market. That's right. It's not us telling the stories. It's Aaron Boone on coming from a baseball family and hitting one of the most famous home runs in the country. Jim Brower telling Barry Bond stories. Find Hardball Society on iTunes, Podcast One, fifteen hundred ESPN dot com, or HardballSociety.com. That's a lot of places. Yeah. Uh, so, also explain this. Sid running the Lakers, while now it sounds completely yes. odd and weird, was not odd in that day. Correct? Didn't every? Didn't a lot of the newspaper guys in the '30s, '40s, and '50s have side PR or side? Yes. Jobs? And the one caveat with Sid is he didn't write about the Lakers. Okay. They would not allow him to write. The they, the one ethic they had was. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead mm-hmm. and uh, do it, Sid, but you can't write about the Lakers. So he might if they won a championship or something, you know, but as far as reporting, if you go back and look at his column, it's almost all all uh, gopher stuff. He couldn't create the scoop and then stuff. get the scoop. No, no, they wouldn't. Uh, yeah, they, they did not let him do that. And, uh, uh, yeah, but there's other guys like uh, – they did. Some of them did wrote the releases for the wrestling promoter or the boxing promoter. Didn't or, Dick call him a boxing or something like that? No, Dick wrote uh, extensively about boxing. Okay. So, I mean, I, I think the fellas might have. If they went to dinner with the boxing promoter, I don't think <laughs> I don't think they picked up the check for the martinis and the big steak at uh, at Charlie's Cafe Exceptional or something. But there were other yeah examples of that. I know when I went, first went to St. Paul, uh, they told me that the uh, I went to '68, and it, 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 that the legend of St. Paul in the '50s and into the '60s was there's nothing easier to buy than an Irish sports writer from St. Paul. That <laughs> <laughs> they were all on. The, I remember we had a guy named Mark Tierney who uh, who was uh, the makeup editor for the just a crazy old son of a gun. Makeup editor for the afternoon paper and sure. sort of, I don't know if he had a title or not, but he, he did a little tyranny on sports. And then Augie, 
my friend Augie worked at a desk with him and and tells a story about the guy calling up and wanting to get something in the paper. And Tierney said, I don't see anything on my doorstep. <laughs> he wanted a jug of whiskey. <laughs> you know, he wanted a jug of his favorite whiskey on the on the thing. So, yeah, it was a completely different world. I mean, they uh, they, they I became the sports editor because of the sudden death of Ken Murphy when I was a 25-year-old kid in 1970. And uh, first first four days I was there, I opened up an envelope and I had a $50 check from the wrestling promoter. Really? Yeah. Which I destroyed. I should have went over and bought everybody yeah, a I was going to say, you the, might as well go to Luigi's, but yeah. uh, I, I had ethics oh, then. Interesting. So but yeah, it was, a, it was a completely different world. But Sid, Sid, uh, he, he did most of it and, you know, you, it's easy to deny that, but, you know, I've had guys from Baltimore. This is true. He, you know, he separated from the Lakers. Now I think his story is he had a trade for Bill Russell and all that crap. Mm-hmm. But he did separate from the Lakers in the mid-50s when the ownership changed. And uh, But he was the de facto general manager for the expansion Chicago Zephyrs. So he had, he had a, left the Lakers. And he had the, left it, and really? when they came into okay. the league in yeah. the early '60s, Chicago didn't have a franchise, you know, and they got the Chicago Zephyrs, who became the Baltimore Bullets. Okay, and he had somebody from one in league meetings and stuff, and he basically helped them make their personnel decisions, and would go down there once a week. Mm-hmm. And I would deny this story, except I had friends of mine who worked in Baltimore, old-time guys, older than me, who told me that the, during the winter, now when the Vikings were done, when the Bullets played Sunday afternoon games, mm-hmm. Sid was always there. There was a red eye. Back then, you know, red eyes flew out of every town. Right. Because the airlines were regulated and they could run a flight with 10. The government basically reimbursed them for flights that didn't have any passengers. And Sid, on late Saturday night, would take the red-eye to Baltimore to uh, be at the Bullets game and, and do his Bullets business and then come back, uh, you know. So he kept, he, he kept the association up from the move the, from Chicago? For a couple, three years with wow. Bullets, too, yeah. So he's, I mean, he was in with the NBA. I mean, I don't want to be ethnic about it, but it was a very Jewish operation, okay? Sure. And, uh, I mean, the guys were, they... They owned the teams and they ran the league. And then basketball was a very, you know, New York was a powerhouse for college basketball originally with a whole lot of Jewish players and stuff. I mean, it, it, the, it, the game was almost popularized in this country by uh, Jewish folks. And Sid was in with these guys. And, and that was, you know, this is I'm not being politically insensitive. Right, but it's what I'm it was at the time. I'm just telling you what the, what the truth of the matter is. So the the history of professional basketball in the state then goes, the Lakers leave in around 60. 60. They leave in 60. And then we get back-to-back ABA teams at Met yes, Center. Yes, in the, they were great. Which were, the goof, which were goofy, correct? Well, I mean, Yeah, well, 1968, uh, when we get the, the – now the North Stars played first in 60, 67, 67. 67, 68 is okay. their first year. Okay, those six the, teams the ABA came in. came in at the same time. Okay, to Met Center. But there was – it was not because they didn't fill the arena 
and the ABA team drew nobody because hockey was so much more popular than basketball in this state, mm-hmm. it, in the Twin Cities. It was because the NHL was major league. You know, okay, was the major league, and we were now major league. We were not minor league anymore. So we didn't have interest. So we, so okay. the AB, so we were now major league in a third sport, and it was an exciting sport. And it, you know, you've heard of legends of those early years when the gal would show up and her mink, you know, the Adina crowd would show up, mink coats and suits, and you know, the down, the expensive seats were occupied by, yeah, people with money. Yes, you know, it was a, it was a very well dressed people, yeah. highfalutin, free, you know, and. You know, it later became, you know, as the, as things progressed, it became a rougher, it became a tougher crowd. But uh, but the ABA team, which I think made the league finals, the the uh, the first team was the, was it? What was well, the second the, team was the Pipers. The first Muskies, team, Muskies. Right? Yeah, the Muskies, Muskies and then the Pipers. The Muskies started from whole cloth, you know, ABA. They were original. And they uh, they had a. They had a former cab driver named Eddie Holman, who was the general manager, and Vern uh, Vern Mickelson, I think, was uh, had a some kind of an official title with him. But uh, they, uh, you know, Bob Fowler, my friend Bob Fowler, became their PR guy. That shows you he was working at the Tribune. Yep. That shows you how little. Sports writers were being paid back then that he would take a PR job with the Minnesota Muskies. Sure. Because he was making more money. He knew it was a bad move about <laughs> three weeks in when nobody but he said Eddie Holman used to come and 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 ask what the attendance was and and uh Bob would give him a piece of paper that said like eight hundred and sixty and Eddie'd put a four in front of it. That was <laughs> what they did. Four thousand. That would. That would uh, but it, they drew nobody. That was the famous Klobuchar line. Klobuchar wrote a column about it. He was at the Klobuchar when he called up and says, "What time's the game?" And they said, "What time can you get here?" You know. <laughs> you know. But then the next, you know, they lo- they went to Fort Lauderdale or Miami mm-hmm. or something. They moved and became. Can't remember even what. The but they moved, and they had a real good player named Mel Daniels on that team, mm-hmm. and who had a long career in the NBA too. And then they got the Pipers, the Pittsburgh Pipers, the defending champions, uh, came to town. So they replaced the it next year. Okay. And they had Connie Hawkins, the, the great Connie Hawkins, and uh, Chico Vaughn, and uh, they had a really good team, mm-hmm. but complete whack jobs. They had a guy named Art Heyman, who was uh, from Duke and was. A Duke, a zany fella. He was, uh, you know, he was on that team. And uh, Connie Hawkins was hurt most of the year, and they had all kinds of dissension problems. And then at the All-Star game, the coach, Jim Harding, yep. punched the got drunk and punched the owner at the <laughs> All-Star game. And then he got fired, and they named Gus Young, who had been the Gustavus coach, who was in promotions as the coach. He got the head coaching he job. Got the, he was he next got, man up. And he, I mean, he had all these street guys, you know, these guys. Gus was used to coaching nice, right. nice white boys from the suburbs. Yeah. And, and, you know, and Gustavus, nice Lutheran boys. And he had some fellas here that uh, were, uh, you know, knew the ins and outs of 
just just let us play basketball and shut up. Right. But but they uh, they they were uh, they could have been really they were they had great players but they they didn't go. That's the famous story where Gus is the the reporters Fowler was now back at our paper mm-hmm. and in St. Paul he'd come to St. Paul he was covering the team and he told the famous story about like there's 20 games to go in the season and all hell is broke loose and they're trying to go in the locker room and Gus stands in front of the locker room spreads his arms and says. You can't go in here. There's dissension in here. <laughs> you told me that story. I love that story. There's dissension in here. Can you imagine if every coach who could say that? <laughs> you can't go in here. There's this. So, yeah, and then we were, then it looked like the only other pro basketball we had was the Phillies. Yeah. The women's team. Mind that. that was the 70s, wasn't it? Or was it? It was Met Center. Was it late 70s? Mm, there was or, actually or later than that. I had a buddy when I was in grade school on a Friday night. His dad was going to take us to a Phillies game, and it was going to be at the old convention center in Minneapolis. And we got there, and the players hadn't got paid. Oh, and we were told there's play. no game. But uh, yeah, they did play at Met Center for they a while. They played at Met right. Center at first. Gordy yeah. Nevers owned them. Gordy Nevers, uh, who was uh, Tommy Nevers' uh, yeah. father. And, uh, and Gordy, I, I don't think that worked out too well for him financially. That was. Can't even remember what they. I think they called it the. I can't remember. Who what was they their st- Who was their star? Didn't they have a? Didn't, oh yeah, they didn't they some, have one of? They had some good players. I can't, I can't remember who it was, but they. Uh, you know, it was. It was a bad idea, man. We had a lot of goofy sports coming in and out. So of tell time. me this: What was it like? Uh, ABA, WHA played here. What was that whole thing like? Because now it's it's hard to fathom a, a league. I mean, not not a small league, but it's hard to fathom. You actually had leagues in the '60s and '70s start up mm-hmm. that scared that scared the pro yeah. leagues. Yeah, well, you know these they, leagues I mean, now they, don't scare anybody. The AFL was the, the AFL was the the prototype for all these. They thought they could, you know, that sure. And they, you know, they all said, "Hey, look what they got! They got a merger out of the deal." Mm-hmm. So the ABA and there was two guys running around, you know, Gary Davidson and Dennis Murphy were the. Mm-hmm. They started. They started the ABA and then they started the WHA. WHA. They started both of them and they'd get franchise fees and put a little money in their pockets and take one of the teams or something like that. So, yeah, it was weird. The WHA, though, um, you know, St. Paul had that. St. Paul was building the new arena before they got a W. They, they opened in the St. Paul Auditorium. They played their first several two months of the season mm-hmm. but they were going to build it. it it wasn't that they build the arena for so the civic WHA. center was being built regardless yes okay uh, it was being built to uh you know give the city it was being built to bring back the state hockey tournament more than anything interesting you know, they had gone to met center yeah state hockey tournament and again was pretty much just a little neighborhood event until they went out to met center it was 69 right 69 the first year henry Boucher. Edina, uh, 15,000 people. The, is that the Southwest Most, Edina, the famous Southwest that Edina? That was the next year. Okay. That was 70. All right. But, yeah, 69, War Road loses to Edina in the finals when Henry Boucher gets boarded in the 50. Listen, the, the number one high school fast sporting event ever in Minnesota was when Edgerton won the state title in 1960. Mm-hmm. And... Hockey was never in a position to recapture that because your small school was Rosso. But Mm -hmm. Rosso was better than the teams they were playing. In 1960, Edgerton 
was in the state in the championship game against Austin. And Austin was a big, booming meatpacking town that had fantastic basketball tradition. Coach named Ovi Bourbon. And uh, the legend was if you were a real good basketball player within a 75 mile radius of Austin, your old man could get a job as a foreman at Hormel, <laughs> Hormel's, Hormel's uh, real easy. Of so course. that was the legend. Steve Fritz, the great St. Thomas, great basketball player. I, th- and I think his mom uh, turned down overtures to uh, work at Hormel's mm-hmm. when he was a kid in Bloomy Prairie. But anyway, uh, there was the biggest crowd ever for a state basketball tournament game that one. They went from... The three games Edgerton played, they went from 18-1 to 18-4 to 18-9 or mm-hmm. something like that. Almost 19,000. Austin came out. They booed the hell out of them. High school team, mm-hmm. they booed the hell out of them. <laughs> the hockey tournament never had that until 69 when Edina's playing War Road. And Edina, War Road is skating three defensemen yep. and two lines. Really? Six players wow. nine, and three defensemen. Wow. And they might have one extra forward. And they had Henry Boucher and Alan Hanksleben, who both, you know, Alan Hanksleben had a long career in the NHL. And Alan, Henry would have. And I can't remember who the, I think the third defenseman was a guy named Story. But but now they're playing Edina with three lines and four defensemen and sleek and wonderful unis. And, right. and that night, you had that kind of that same thing in the hockey arena, and then of course Henry got booted, boot. I mean, boarded. Ended up going to the hospital, mm-hmm. and they that War Road team ended up taking him into overtime, mm-hmm. and that was the craziest evening that you they had replicated basketball that launched the hockey tournament. For the... Well, launched the hockey tournament, yep, and St. Paul. The hockey tournament was such a St. Paul event that they they basically the main reason they built their new civic center was to get the hockey get tournament back. back and they got it back in what seventy two maybe. So the the NBA then played. I remember this as a kid. They would play exhibition games. I remember the Bucks and Sixers played a game at yeah. the Met. Uh, but when did we really start to get back on the map as far as as getting a team? Well, when they started, up to the they started house. adding teams left and right. You know, I mean, they were what the hell they they. Uh, I bet you what uh, the start of the eighties. It was still a fourteen team league or something, and pretty weren't we twenty five and twenty three and four? I think yeah, that sounds about like right. That, yeah, because they added. With Minnesota, Orlando, right? Orlando, Miami, yeah. Charlotte. I think it cost what thirty-five million. Is that what it cost? It was. It cost more than that. It was around eighty-seven, right? Because they oh, they got they started awarded in 80, it. Yeah, they started. Nine. They played in eighty-nine. Yeah, about eighty-seven. Marvin Harv, mm-hmm. but Marvin Harv were of that Lakers generation. You know, a couple of Jewish guys that used to go to sure. Laker games and loved the Lakers, and Marv Marv loved sports and wanted to get involved, but. They would have been fine if they hadn't built their own arena. They, you know, there was no, oh, target, yeah. There was no taxpayers' money in that arena. Yeah, and yeah, which is and, a marvel. And, and it ended up, and their fi- their financial guy, you know, was Hal Greenwood, Midwest Federal. Mm-hmm. And that's where they were going to get their money, and then he went uh, he went to prison, ah, okay. and uh, that financing blew up. So they had to pay a lot more for their money. 
they were going to get to build the place than uh, than they were supposed to, and they they were up against it almost from the get go. Even though they filled it for, you know, they filled the dome. I mean, they had the great crowds in the dome, mm-hmm. and then they filled the first couple of years they were full at the, the Target Center. They claimed to have this long sellout streak, but unlike the Wild, you'd go and you'd see. You know, by the third year when they were not winning any games. Right. They fired Musselman, and basically because he tried to win, you know. With, and, and then they then they brought in his dork, Jimmy Rogers, and I think he won 15 and 17. And I'm pretty soon people say, this is no fun. Yes. At least with Musselman, you know, you had a zany on the sideline, and they were trying. The musty stuff was fun. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. I mean, he coached. He's like Thibodeau. He coached every second. Mm-hmm. Coached every second. Mm-hmm. And uh, and people, you know, a lot of people disliked him for cheating like hell with the Gophers and beating the hell out of Ohio State and ruining our image. But a lot of people loved him because he was so intense. And, and you lost that. And once you got Jimmy Rogers in here, you just were losing. You were not. Right. You were boring losers. Right. And it. It only took three years for people to stop going. And I'd say by the middle of the first season of Jimmy Rogers, you started seeing uh, half the upstairs empty, or at least a third of the upstairs empty. So, Wouldn't, Plus, it was the most poorly designed arena in history because they got well, yeah, the upstairs they was... got 60% of the seats are upstairs instead of downstairs. Wouldn't Mussy be about your last choice, though, for an expansion team where oh, you yeah. got like a five-year or three-year grace period? You could lose all your money. Har- Scott Roth winning games? I think Marv wanted him. I don't think Bob Stein wanted him. But talk about an organization that was well-constructed at the get-go beyond co- beyond the coach. You know, the older Lywicki. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, they had unbelievable guys. Billy Robb was their first PR guy. They had they had all these guys who yeah. about four of them ended up running NBA teams. You know, around the Sean Hunter, all these guys, right? Where they they had a, he had all these young marketing whizzes. And meanwhile, Norm was out there trying to have cheerleaders and give away cash. You know, so that was you know that was Norm's. You know, the only thing that bailed Norm out was Bob Ganey taking him out of the finals for no apparent reason. So. How long did your uh, did your protest about writing Target Center last? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Well, I mean, you couldn't get away with it now. Oh God, right? no! You could try, but no. it would be yeah. I, well, they but just, you had a good run there where you it, never named the damn place. It just tells you Marvin Harv's place near the garbage center, or uh, yes, the garbage but burner. But it tells you how near the garbage burner. Yeah, it tells you how sports has changed, though. I mean, I that was my protest against. Yeah. Corporate names on buildings. Yes. We lost. <laughs> Remember USA Today would run the whole, because USA, it, a lot of newspapers weren't doing it. Like, you played in the Orange Bowl. You didn't play in the FedEx but, Goodyear right, Tire no, Orange right. Bowl. But in USA Today, you played in the whatever the corporate title was. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's that's now. They won. Yes, they <laughs> Another did. one I lost. But you had a good long oh, run. I bet you I went three I years without seeing Target You didn't it for Center. a long time. I still haven't named... Uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. I still haven't used that in print, so uh, I'm I'm hanging in there on that one. That's I I just basically that's easy though. You can just say the new dome. Sure, right, right. You don't have to. Once in a while, I'll put the new dome near the uh, Wells Fargo Towers. 
And and much like with the uh, Twins, you actually had, had a run as the original Wolves season ticket holder, too. I mean, the Twins yes. went, went in in 2010, and you Augie bought season. And I, Augie That's and I. That's right. I thought tickets. you had season tickets. But not right away, but uh, maybe about the third year. Oh, I thought third, you did the first year. or second year in uh, Target Center. <laughs> Might have been. Yeah, Augie and I split them for uh, a few years. But uh, I discovered my wife didn't want to go to any games, and ended up. And then by the by the fourth year, they were so rotten. Yeah. You couldn't even give them away. Because I don't think it is as its soul. This is still an NBA team down to you. They'll get on the bandwagon, but to me, the tip-off, Judd, was the year they went to Western Conference Finals. The next year, they open up and they're not sold out. And they announced yeah. like they announced like seventeen. I think this is a good basketball town if you if you win, but if you don't, they don't stick with you. No, it's not like the Wild can have a much longer oh, run yes. now of being awful, and yes. people aren't going to care. Oh yeah, the the. If the Timberwolves had signed, uh, let's say, Kevin Durant and give me somebody else, not of that stature, but close. Like, you know, if they'd signed two very prominent free sure. agents yeah. four years ago, like the Wild did with Suter and Parisi, mm-hmm. they still wouldn't, they wouldn't be on the honeymoon still. No. You know, no, the, no, that, no. You know, that was the... You know, credit to Leopold. That was the genius move of all time. Because they were going, This the honeymoon was finally over. Yes. The honeymoon, I mean, that team that they had in 2011, 2012 was unwatchable. Mm-hmm. And they were, wasn't that the team that lost them all at the end of the season? They were just terrible. Yeah, and they had no identity whatsoever. <laughs> Couldn't score any goals. And he signed those two guys, and they haven't, basically, they've been 102% of capacity ever since, right? I don't yeah. think they've had a. I think the first year, for, what, what you got to remember is the first year they're coming back from a, halfway through the year from a lockout, mm-hmm. and they had a couple of non-capacity crowds. But it's got to be four years in a row. You you would never have a honeymoon like that with basketball. The July Fourth that they signed those two guys is easily the biggest free agency day in this town. Oh God, yes, without a doubt, no doubt about it. You came in and did a show, yes. We, it was I mean, a hockey was, show. I mean, it was it was an amazing event, and but I'm what I'm saying is I don't think basketball would ever get that. But basketball is going to be fun, and there's a distinct. I might be crazy, but the NBA right now, this is a star-driven country. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily us, but the NBA in five years has got a chance to be bigger than the NFL. It's good, yeah. It's it's trending upward, and football's uh, not right now. And you got in the other part of basketball is you got it. It's uh, it's co-ed, and it's yes, uh, and it's nobody gets hurt. They're still going very much up that hill. They are. It's it's all star driven. You can argue about that. Now they could change some rules for damn sure. Yeah, but the fact that you can see Thibodeau going crazy on the sidelines, you can yep. see everything happening in front of you. Yep. The the it presents itself. Not no sport presents itself as intimately as basketball, does. and it's also a great TV sport. Yes, so on both sides. But they got to figure out something to do about the last two minutes. You can't oh, yeah. have them take thirty-five minutes. No, but uh, it's uh, you know it, it's fun when it's good. But basketball is also, don't you think, one of the basketball and hockey too are both much better in the arena than out. 
basketball. They are. They are. But to me, basketball. If if you present a sport to to someone on TV who hasn't watched yeah. that sport a yeah. lot, yeah. hockey people look at you like you're crazy because they can't see the puck. Basketball. The well, ball is so big, and and you you can use better close-ups. Come to think of it, though, the only, no helmets too. Come to think of it, the only sport that's better on TV is football. Oh, it's that's, <laughs> that's without a doubt, yeah. and that's a fight that they keep fighting. Yes, and they can't win that fight. Uh, last thing on the Wolves, where does Garnett fit in the uh, uh, pantheon? Of if I were to name my covered, uh, if I were to name my all-time Minnesota starting five in basketball, yep. he'd be the only non-Laker on the team. I'd have to take my old buddy Vern Mickelson out at uh, power forward okay. and put uh, Kevin Garnett in there. But well, he was—he's a you know—he's a top thirty all-time NBA player, which is pretty good. But you know, with a little more offensive game, he'd be higher now. I, I liked him a lot as a kid. I don't know why he got so damn grumpy. In yeah, very movie. surly. Oh man! He but got... he and Marbury, when it looked like they were gonna, you know, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, people to this fun. day get get upset now about the, about the the draft night trade. For uh, for Steph, oh. when he and Marbury got together, when they did it. That the Ray was, Allen trade looked damn good. When they did it, the 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 Wolves the next day were probably more popular in this town than they've ever been. Almost. Yes. Oh, the the Almost. immediate excitement the next, about that oh, trade was when they flipped those guys. Yes. Yeah, people was, forget about that. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were. Or they weren't old enough to remember it. It could have worked. Yes, that that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's love, what I'm saying. I like Steph as a guy, but. <laughs> The idea that you can you could tell him, Steph, we're going to pay you the maximum. Nobody can pay you more. Yes, I understand that, but I want as much as Garnett. Yes. Steph, you can't have as much as Garnett. Then I want to go. We'd love to do you. Then East. I'm leaving. you got to trade me. I would have called his bluff. I don't think there's any athlete who's left this town who did himself and his team a bigger dis- disservice than Steph. You're right. You're, because if you, you kept right. those two together... I think the entire course of this franchise is altered. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, they would have they would have been in another final or two, might have won a title because mm-hmm. they wouldn't have taken much help. But yeah, Garnett was a great player, but it's too bad he turned it. He he became he stopped being a salesman for the team in the in the, in the 2000s. I, I don't know. He but was, did he just get frustrated with? I don't know what his problem. That whole thing was very odd. I don't know what his he was a he was a he was a well here's his problem. One of the most thin-skinned guys. Really could take no criticism. And there's, you know, that's a problem for a lot of people. But he could not take it. When he wasn't praised for everything. Properly praised, he upset. Took him out. Very upset. Interesting. All right, but, sir. Uh, well, uh, hopefully, I'll tell you one thing. This kid we got now could be one of the uh, most memorable athletes we've ever had in this town. Carl Anthony. Smart. Yep. Personable and extremely gifted. I'm looking forward to the season. All right, Patrick. Thank you very much. We'll do this again. Uh, Roycey Rambles. Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines.